wife's grandmother grew up about 10 miles outside of Little Rock, Arkansas, on a few acres of land, and about 100 miles south of where her land was is an area of Arkansas that since 1920 has participated in more than 1.8 billion barrels of oil. That's a lot of oil. I remember early on in our marriage, I used to tell my wife, you know what's going to happen? One day your parents are going to call and and we're going to find out that that oil just like kind of moved its way up the state and all of a sudden just sprung up in your grandmother's backyard. It's going to be great. We're going to be rich. It's fantastic. Yeah, that never happened. Uh, And that's okay because I don't need any oil. You know what? My in-laws are a treasure all by themselves. That that sounds corny, but, but I mean it. It's true. Can you imagine, though, getting a call from some geology company? And they're like, hey, we, we've done some research on the area where you have some land, and, and we feel strongly there could be some oil on your land, so we'd like permission to do some exploratory drilling. And you say, well, sure. You give them the name of the lawyer that they need to call to, to work out the permission details, and, and then the company says back to you, so, so we'll do what we're going to do, and, and we'll call you and, and let you know if we find something. And you respond, nah, you have to call me back. It's good. Y'all just do what you're going to do. If you find something, y'all do whatever you want to with it. No, <laughs> that's not what you're going to do. If, if, there's, if there's any notion that there is potential petroleum, you know, oil that is, black gold, Texas tea, if, if that's on your land, then you're going to want to call back. You want someone calling back because your land just became potential treasure to you. Today's December 27th. Two days after Christmas. You know, haul in the holly, put out the tree before those needles fall again. You know, we're done. You know, it's over. We're supposed to to be moving on. I mean, after all, it's almost Valentine's Day. But before we move on, can we open up just, just one more present? Just, just one more gift. A gift, a present, that is a greater and more magnificent treasure than the richest oil land in the world. What kind of treasure are we talking about? Let's find out. We're looking at Luke chapter 2, verse 19. But Mary treasured all these things. Why we take pictures? Now, I said pictures, not selfies. Okay, there's a difference. National Institute of Sanity and Common Sense in Radiator Springs, Arizona, has said there is no logical reason to take a selfie. None. Well, at least not 20 a day. So not selfies, but why do we take pictures? We take pictures because we want to keep some memories. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she wasn't packing Christmas up, trying to to hurry out to buy a a box of heart-shaped chocolates. No, she was on purpose slowing down. She was spiritually, emotionally, mentally slowing down 
to consider what was happening around her. She was stopping to take some pictures. She was stopping to keep some memories. And boy, does she have some memories. Mary's baby book was like the greatest baby book in the history of the world. Now, Luke wrote this letter based on eyewitness accounts, and so it's not crazy to think that Luke found Mary and that Mary pulled out that baby book and they flipped through it and Luke got to see those pictures. And what did he see in that book? Well, he saw what she kept, the things that she was keeping, the things that she was treasuring, all these things. And what were all those things? Well, it was more than just what happened in the stable. There were a lot of other things to consider. First, there was her engagement to a carpenter. Then there was this visit by an angel of God. Then there was going to stay with her cousin Elizabeth for a few months. Then there was Elizabeth's husband suddenly being mute for a few months. Then there was the birth of Elizabeth's baby. John the Baptist. There was something else. Oh yeah, her virgin pregnancy, that was something to think about. Her family and friends rejecting her and hating her because of this mysterious pregnancy. The possibility of being divorced or stoned to death. You know, she was struggling with which one she wanted more. Then there was the eventual affirming again by her fiancé. Then there was this hard journey to Bethlehem while being pregnant. Then there was the actual delivery of the baby with no anesthesia, no medicine, no midwife, no one to help. Then there were these smelly shepherds that came looking for her baby. Then the same smelly shepherds worshipped her baby. That's just a few of the things that had happened to her over the course of 10 months. And a lot more was going to happen. So she's taking all of these things in. She has some memories she's working through. And you have to think that at this point, after Jesus was born, there had to be a sense of relief, right? I mean, she had to have a little bit of relief. At the very least, the relief of of delivering a, a healthy human baby, right? That that emotional and and physical relief was there. And then this strange, hard-to-believe story from these shepherds, it had to give her a little bit of spiritual relief because their story reminded her of her story. They reminded her of, of what the angel said when he came to her all those months ago to talk about her baby. And what did the angel say? Luke chapter 1, verse 32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Mary had just given birth to the Messiah. God was here. God was with us. God was here to save us. And she's taking all of that in. She's keeping and treasuring it. 
Let me ask you a question for your heart. Have you taken it all in? Or are you taking in all of the truth about Jesus? Or is Jesus kind of like your elf on the shelf? You know? I mean, you, you take him out and move him around the house for decoration for a few weeks. Maybe you, you go on social media and, and post a meme about him being the reason for the season. But then the Christmas season's over and it's time for ski season, time to move on. It's almost New Year's Day, so it's time to put Jesus back away with the rest of the nativity set and, and let's move on. We've got to get through the holidays and, and get things back to normal. On December 24th, 1941, Bing Crosby introduced the song White Christmas to the world. It was on his radio broadcast known as the Kraft Music Hall. 17 days before that, the attack on Pearl Harbor had, had brought the country to its knees and had set in motion the feet of many Americans to go and enlist in the war effort. It's been said that part of the reason that, that White Christmas, which has been known as the, the greatest singing song, selling song of all time, that one of the reasons it immediately caught on, that it was immediately popular, was because of the second line of the song. You know, right? I'm dreaming of a white Christmas just like the ones I used to know. For soldiers going off to war, for, for families staying at home. That, that was a line. See, the, the whole world had just tragically and radically changed. And this desire for normal, this desire for how things used to be, was very, very real. But you know, the world has never been the way it used to be never has. The world will not be the same tomorrow as it is today. Now that doesn't mean it's wrong to have nostalgia. It doesn't mean it's wrong to be sentimental. Hey, I've been thinking about buying a typewriter, you know? I mean, it's okay to, to look backwards, okay? But we always have to take normal and nostalgia and balance them out with reality. And the reality is the world will not be the same tomorrow as it is today. And in some ways, that is great news. That's fantastic news because tomorrow, someone might have a breakthrough with cancer or heart disease that they couldn't have in 1941 or 1972 or 2019. So it could be a great thing that nothing will be the same tomorrow. But it could also be a hard thing that tomorrow things will not be like they are today well almost everything almost everything will be different almost everything will change but one thing won't the bible describes it this way jesus christ is the same yesterday and today and forever forever that truth is why there is great treasure in the manger. That truth is why there's great treasure in the Messiah. Great and unending treasure in Jesus. 
Think about some of the biggest questions in your life, in anyone's life. What's the meaning of life? Why do I exist? What is my purpose in being here? What happens at death? Is God real? What is God like? How do I get saved? How can I inherit eternal life? The ultimate answer to all of those questions was wrapped up in Mary's arms in Bethlehem that night. So, another hard question. Have you wrapped your arms around Jesus? Have you engaged in the truth about Jesus? If you haven't, then today can be your day of salvation. Today can be the day where Christmas never ends. Today can be the day where today and even your yesterday can change forever. Repent and turn to Christ. Hold on to Christ and keep holding on to Christ. Don't let go. Why? Because there is great and unending treasure in Jesus. Do you like brisket? Uh, It is said that people wait in line for hours and hours for brisket at Franklin Barbecue in Austin, Texas. Aaron Franklin has a master class. You may have seen some of those ads out there. And and in the commercial for his master class on teaching you how to make Texas-style barbecue, he talks about how he makes 106 briskets a day. And then he says this, I'm also still learning. You think a guy that's making more than 20,000 briskets a year would not still be learning, but his humility is endearing and exciting because what he's saying is this, oh, there's so much treasure in brisket that hasn't even been discovered. It's good stuff. John Owen said this in the divine scriptures there are shallows and there are deeps shallows where the lamb may wade and deeps where the elephant may swim what he's saying is this that that the smallest child can see and, and hear and understand the gospel and get excitement and joy from the gospel. They they can wade in the truth and get excitement and joy. But likewise, the person who has been a Christian for many years can see and hear and understand the gospel and never get close to the bottom of the ocean of the treasure of Jesus. In other words, go get you a Christmas elephant. We, We need one. We need to be engaged in the deep things of Jesus, the deep joy, the deep excitement, the deep treasure of the gospel. It never ends. It never ends. Mary delivered the gospel into the world that night. And boy, then she was keeping the memory of that moment. But she wasn't just keeping it. She wasn't just adding some pictures to the baby book. Now, there was something more that she was doing. 
Listen to the rest of verse 19. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. She was keeping those things. She was treasuring those things. She was pondering those things. You know, one of the greatest inventions that has ever been invented is the spinning dessert display. It's incredible. You ever seen one of these in the restaurant? It's like, you know, like seven, you know, seven shelves and this little tower and, and, and all the sweetest things in the restaurant just, just spinning around for you to look at and for your stomach to desire. Mary has taken all the sweetest things about Jesus and those things are spinning around in her mind. She she can't take the eyes of her heart off of these things about Jesus. It's not just in her mind, it's captivating her heart. She's thinking deeply about what was happening. She's looking deeply about what's happening and she's doing all of this as a first-time mom. You know, moms are like human baby books, right? I mean, my wife can remember things about our kids when they were babies that, that I cannot remember. I, I can't remember much of what happened 30 minutes ago. But she remembers the details of things that, that happened when they were babies. Moms are, are like human baby books. They remember those moments. They're, they're not just moments in their mind. Those moments get into their heart. Mary had some things that had gotten into her heart. She was pondering some deep treasures about those days of her life. I mean, she had a virgin pregnancy. That's something to ponder. Her baby was the Son of God. That's something to ponder. She's pondering. She's engaging. And you have to think at some point, Mary's thinking, so how do, how do I raise God? I mean, do I nurse him? Do I give him formula? I mean, do I give him food? I mean, he's God. Maybe he doesn't need him. What's going to happen? What's he going to be like as he grows up? When's he going to become king? Is it going to be when he's young or when he's old? She had a lot of things to ponder. She had a lot of things to engage with, and she wasn't a stranger to pondering. When the angel of God showed up to to greet her, this was her immediate response. Luke chapter 1, verse 29. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. She was perplexed. She was troubled. She didn't know exactly why this angel was greeting her with this message. She was thinking. She was pondering what was going on. Look, no matter how noble you may think you are, Most of us, we wouldn't have been perplexed. We wouldn't have been troubled. And we sure wouldn't have been trying to figure anything out in that moment. We'd be diving behind the sofa or running to lock ourselves in the closet. We'd be afraid. But not Mary. Mary, she's thinking. She's she's engaging. She's trying to figure out what's happening, what's going on. What is this message and what does this message mean for her life? She was perplexed, she was troubled, but she was pondering. And she didn't just ponder about the baby Jesus either. About a decade after Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph were coming back from the Passover celebration. They were in a a big caravan of people, and they're cruising along and talking, and and they look around and they realize, hey, where'd Jesus go? They couldn't find him. So they, they looked everywhere, and they turned, and they went back to Jerusalem. And when they got back, they found him at the church. 
And he was at the church with all of the smart, educated, religious scholars, and he was in a deep theological conversation with them. And oh, by the way, he was 12. Yeah, for you 12-year-olds watching, no, no pressure, no pressure. 12 years old. And he told his parents, he said, look, the reason I'm here at the church is because I have to be about my father's business. So how do you think his mom responded? Get yourself in that camel right now. No. This is what she said. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. This is Mary. Mary's thinking. She's keeping. She's treasuring. She's, she's pondering. She's good at pondering the truth about God. And she's good at treasuring her son. Her son, who is also her Savior. Treasuring, keeping, pondering. Let me ask you a question. If you're a Christian, do you ponder your faith? Outside of Sunday morning, outside of just the stream time, do you ponder your faith? Do you think about your faith? Do you have a Christmas elephant? Do you you take a few minutes, maybe just a few seconds every day, just to stop and engage with the reality that you have been saved by grace through faith, and that faith is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Do you ever just ponder that? Do you ever just sit in traffic and go, I can't believe I'm saved. Do you ever just sit at work and say, I can't believe I'm saved. When you're sick, when you're at home in the bed and you're flipping through every Hallmark movie in the world, can you just mute for a second and just say, I can't believe I'm saved. Do you ponder your faith? Do you treasure your faith? What happens when you ponder your faith? Well, when the angel came the first time and, and gave Mary the message about what was going to happen to her, she sang a song, and this is part of what she sang. Luke one fifty three, God has filled the hungry with good things. A person who ponders the truth about Jesus, what they're doing, they're engaged in the process of filling up their heart with good good things. Or maybe put another way, when we ponder the truth about Jesus, what will happen, the math, the way God works the math, is that we will be satisfied. Satisfied with Jesus. Not just mentally, but in our heart. So, where's your mind today? What's filling your mind this Sunday morning, December 27th. And what about your heart? Where's your heart today? What's, what's filling your heart today? What's, what's happening in your heart? King Solomon said this, Proverbs 12, 25, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. Has your heart been weighed down this holiday season? weighed down with anxiety over Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's? Has your heart been weighed down with anxiety over the state of the things in the world? 
Or maybe it's not anxiety. Maybe it's anger. Maybe your heart's been weighed down with anger over the holidays or or weighed down with anger over the state of things in the world. A heavy heart will weigh you down. But a good word will make your heart glad. And listen, the truth about Jesus, it's a good word. It it just is. It's, It's the definition of what it is. The character of the gospel is good news. It's a good word. So ponder it. Ponder the truth about Jesus. Ponder the gospel. And how do you do that? Well, here's a a really good tip. Jesus has a message for the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. And this is how the message goes. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. If we were to update that for today, we could say, Jesus is speaking to us. And he goes, look, I know your deeds. I know you put up a fantastic Christmas tree. I know you you got some great presents for others. I know you gave some money to missions. I know you gave some food to the shelter. I, I know that you gave some clothes to that family that lost their job. I know you made that great strawberry pound cake. Great job. Keep up the good work. Good things. Wonderful. Don't stop. But you just blew through Christmas and ignored me. You just blew through Christmas and I was barely elf on the shelf. You just blew through Christmas and didn't ponder me and and didn't treasure me and didn't consider the reality that tomorrow everything in your life will change but me. Yesterday and today and forever, Jesus says, I will be the same. can't treasure Jesus. You can't ponder Jesus if you don't love Jesus first and most. That's that's the way you get into the pondering. That's the way you start discovering the treasure. You must love him first and most. And one of the most beautiful and practical ways to ponder the truth about Jesus is to spend time in God's word. Bible is this unbelievable gift to our hearts and our minds. It's not fantasy. It's not make-believe. It's not a fairy tale. It's truth that keeps standing up year after year after year through wars and pandemics and trials and troubles and tragedies. The truth of God's Word has never not been standing. Ponder truth of Jesus and ponder the truth of Jesus in God's word. You know, we don't know what happened with the wise men and the shepherds and all those other people that were kind of excited about the Messiah. There's there's some legends out there, but we don't know for sure. But what we do know is undoubtedly the, the excitement of the Christmas story seemed to wear off. 
How do we know that? Well, because when he was about 30 years old and he was starting his ministry, there weren't people lined up around the building for his debut. But his mom knew something was up. His mom, she knew something was happening because she had never stopped keeping and she had never stopped treasuring and she had never stopped pondering. Ray Ortland said this, the truth sustained her while others just lost their enthusiasm. Let me ask you a question. Be honest with yourself. Doesn't matter if you're honest with me. Be honest with yourself. Has 2020 caused your enthusiasm for Jesus to suffer? Have the events of of this year taken away your enthusiasm about Jesus? If so, then here's a super crazy, easy New Year's resolution. Imitate Mary. Imitate Mary. Treasure the gospel. Treasure the good news. Keep the truth of the good news around your heart and your mind. Ponder it over and over and over again. And what does that look like in real life? Well, in my perspective, my friend Bert Daniel is one of the greatest pastors in America. Part of the reason he's such a great pastor is because he has a pretty incredible wife named Nikki. Bert and Nikki have two boys and a little girl, and they live in Augusta, Georgia, the home of the masters, a tradition unlike any other. A few years ago, Nikki wrote an article about moms and social media and the Internet. She has some really good thoughts. Let me just share a couple with you. This is what she wrote. I often ponder life before the internet came along. Moms prayed for the sweet life they cradled instead of Facebook stalking people they would never meet. They hummed lullabies and hymns to soothe those lovely eyes to sleep rather than zoning out into cyberspace. They learned every detail of their little one's face and observed the wonders of their motions rather than learning the latest celebrity gossip. They let their baby hold their fingers instead of gripping their phones. They connected with their baby deeply while praising God for their life instead of typing out messages one finger at a time. And then she goes on. Does this contrast mean that moms should never use social media? Absolutely not. Facebook often lights up my bedroom during my daughter's 4 a.m. feeding. That's real, right? She's there. She gets it. So so if it's not evil, then then what's her point? Well, her point is focus. This is what she says. Let this be an encouragement to take some time to focus on your sweet baby because simply put, Babies don't keep. She's right. Babies don't keep. They grow up. The baby in the manger didn't keep. He he grew up. He got taller. He got stronger. His mom, she watched him heal people. His mom listened to him preach. 
his mom heard him suffer. And his mom saw him die on a cross for my sin and your sin. Someone said this, that Mary's life was never the same because of her association with Jesus. Her life was never the same because on December 27th, she didn't quit keeping. She didn't quit treasuring. and She didn't quit pondering. She stayed engaged with the truth about Jesus. She didn't pack up the gospel and try to get things back to normal. Gospel was normal. She couldn't shake it. Listen, don't wait for the new year to start imitating Mary. Start today. Start today. Take some time today. A minute, two minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever. Take some time today to to just focus on the treasure of all of these things. Because it's true. Babies don't keep And Christmas doesn't keep. But the message from the manger, oh, it keeps. And the message from the cross, oh, it keeps. And the message from the empty tomb, friend, it keeps. So let us follow the mother of Jesus and let us treasure all these things things. Treasure all these things. Let us treasure all these things.